Hello again, and welcome to Campion Conversations, an informal podcast discussion of pop culture and the liberal arts. My name is Dr. Dre, lecturer in literature here at Campion College. If you're looking for a television show about an eclectic group struggling to survive on a mysterious island, then watch Gilligan's Island. If you're looking for an anthology of bizarre narrative vignettes in which characters experience a sci-fi and supernatural melange punctuated with ironic twists, then watch The Twilight Zone. If you're looking for a show with a grand mythology that slowly becomes so convoluted and self-reflexive that it implodes in a slew of arcane gibberish, then watch The X-Files. But if you want all of the above in one easily digestible form, then watch Lost. Developed by J.J. Abrams, Damon Lindelof, and Carlton Cruz, Lost would go on to delight and infuriate viewers in equal measure. Running for six years between 2004 and 2010, the show told the story of a group of survivors from an Oceanic Airlines Flight 815 crash as they struggle to unravel the mysteries of the peculiar island upon which they find themselves. It began as a sensation and might well be the last great water cooler series of network television, but what is the legacy of Lost almost a decade since its final farewell? What impact has it had on the other prestige television series that have arisen in its wake? And what the hell was all that nonsense with Walt about? To open up this mystery box and more, I am joined today by Anna Hitchings, Media and Communications Officer of Cambian College. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, I'm so happy to be back. So obviously I have placed this in (laughs) a very loaded and, and clearly subjective argument i have very strong feelings towards this show but (laughs) i might uh, say biased (laughs) indeed uh but again that that what i noted there the equal measure of love and and fury uh, (laughs) is is very true for me this is a show that i adore but one that also drives me a bit nuts uh is that the same for you yeah i would say that's actually precisely how i feel i was really excited about lost even before it started you know they really when they first released the um the initial sort of teasers and ads that it was going to happen not just me actually my 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 sister and my mum were all really excited largely because we were all huge lord of the rings fans and we were excited to see dominic monaghan oh of course you know, okay. like, oh charlie. mary he's in his own tv show <laughs> and yeah charlie and playing so, the uh, the desperate uh, junkie in the beginning, indeed, so very indeed. much like a hobbit. In yes, the almost exactly the same character yeah. reprised. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, so we all watched it together, but I was, you know, they eventually kind of lost interest, and I was the diehard Lost fan of the family. In fact, it was one of those, it was kind of like, you know, where it comes a bit of a sort of a dirty secret. You don't want to tell people you're a big Lost fan because yeah, they will, yeah. un, you know, inevitably make fun of you. So I didn't really advertise the fact that I loved Lost, but I absolutely loved it. And I think that from my point of view, most people watched at least, you know, the first few episodes of season one. I think a lot of people remained fans through season one. I think people started to patter off around in season two. Mm-hmm. I and I but I loved season two, perhaps even more than I loved season one. That's and then very interesting, okay. Yeah, I mean I just really got into it. I got into the whole hatch thing and I and I, I, I you know, I love Desmond's character. He's actually probably one of my favourite characters on the show. Desmond and Sawyer, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and after then season three I think by the time season two ended a lot of the fan base had really drifted away and I think it was only the sort of diehard fans that remained and then I stayed through season three and I was kind of holding on by my fingernails by that point because I'm like oh gosh where are they actually going with this do they have a plan yeah and then which I think season three pretty definitively declared we don't have a plan uh, from memory season three I don't remember if they they actually said that but Certainly. Oh, I just mean the, the experience of watching it. It seemed like things were getting so convoluted and so sort of disparate and straying everywhere. Mm. Uh, I, I feel like 
from my memory anyway, and I'm sure I'm wrong, but uh, season three seems to be where I remember drifting away and, and just going, this, this is going nowhere. Like, they don't yeah. have a plan. Well, I, okay, so I was pretty obsessed. So I was doing a lot of research in between the seasons being released, and I remember reading somewhere that season three was going to be divided up into two sections. So the first part of season three was going to follow, you know, a particular plotline, and then it was going to sort of do a slight change of pace or, you know, a slightly different direction in right. or, or focus on different parts of the plot, I suppose, in the second part of season three. And they did do that. Unfortunately, what ended up happening was season, the first part of season three, which was the first, I think it's the first five episodes, though I can't remember exactly, had fantastic pacing and it really felt like it was going somewhere. And if it I was remember all very correctly, exciting. this is when is they're all... Sawyer and Kate are locked in a polar bear cage. Yeah, and yeah, Jack's okay. locked in the underground and they're actually not on the the normal island. They're on like yeah. this sort of island off the off the coast of the main island, which is You're called starting Hi- to get a sense of in the Hydra um, yes. station. And the Sorry. Dharma initiative is Probably should have warned pushed. there's going to be serious spoiler alerts throughout this whole podcast oh, for Can the you whole... spoil this show? <laughs> you just sound like you're having some sort of fever dream when you describe no, it. No, well, in case you actually wanted to know how it ended... You are probably going to find out. Yes. If you don't want to know, you probably should stop listening. Yeah, yeah fair to say, out. like a blanket spoiler warning for everything within the show. Indeed. Uh, and then I really felt like my felt my. I'm quite a stubborn person by nature, so <laughs> I really wanted. Uh, even while everyone was like, "Oh, you still watch Lost? It's so crap." I'm like, "No, no, no, no! It's no, it's gonna, it's still going it somewhere. It's still going somewhere." Yeah. It's still, I read an interview with David Lindelof. <laughs> it's going to go somewhere. Uh, and then, but even me, even I couldn't hold on. In season four, I just really got. I felt like the show itself was adrift. I didn't feel like I was... You know, they, they never really revealed a lot. And there definitely has always been a, a grand tradition of dragging mysteries out in yes. Lost. However, I still felt like there was it was going somewhere, that there was a game plan in mind. And I really felt like whatever mooring there was had become totally untethered by season four. Yeah. And then the, the, and then the flash... That was the first season with the flash forwards, I think, as opposed to the flashbacks. Nice. And... I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it and was. And I, and I just, yeah, and I just, I started to really lose interest. And I felt myself losing interest. I held on for as long as I could because I, you know, I told everyone, oh, no, no, I'm a big Lost fan. I'm going to keep watching it till the end. What kind of filled me with a bit of despair and probably what contributed to my just stopping watching it because I really did lose interest was I had been under the impression they were probably going to round off the series by the end of season three. And I thought that should be like a good mm. tie. And I think that in hindsight, that's where they should have finished the season, the series. But... Then I read in between season two being released and season three coming out that that the the production company had actually signed off on six seasons. And I remember at the time thinking, what? Six seasons? Six seasons of this? Like, where on earth are they going to go? Like, what are they going to do with the story over six seasons? That's absurd. And sitting through season four, knowing there were still two seasons of this to go and they already felt like they didn't know where they were going with it, I just couldn't put up with that. So I stopped watching it. And I and I didn't watch it at all for the next um, for the next three seasons until oh, the whole. Oh really? You didn't you didn't no, follow I, the end? No, I I, I, oh, I kind wow. of lo- I was partly like I'd lost it. Partly it was like deep resentment <laughs> against the show's like, producers. I trusted you. Well, I like I felt like I'd been I'd been you know dragged up the garden path. Yeah. You know, like I really felt like I've been straddled along for all this time, and, this, and and it was like this ride that I thought was going somewhere, and yeah. then it was just kind of petered off into nowhere. And I'm like, well, this is crap. I'm getting <laughs> off this. So I it wasn't until the whole show came out on DVD, and I thought. I think I thought, well, I've left it so long, I can't just jump back into season six because I will have no idea what was going on. And I wouldn't have had any idea of what was going on. So, oh, sorry. So this is before season six has screened on I'm television? I'm just saying, the... well, I'm trying to remember, actually. It was a while ago. I'm trying to remember, like, maybe my reasons at the time for not just, oh, I'll just watch the last season. Because, right. because I'm not a person that like I like to watch things in order. I like no, to know course. where things are going. Yeah. I don't like to sort of jump in and out. 
So I think I waited for the whole show to finally, I thought I'll wait for the whole show, show to come out and I'll find, cause I was always curious, like what actually happened? You know, what, who was, who was the monster and all these sorts of questions that you have watching oh. the show. That was a disappointing <laughs> Anyway, then the show came out and I watched the whole thing, basically binge watched my way through the whole show. This is season great. three, season four, season five, season six. And the, what was amazing about it was that I, even though I had all of the episodes in my finger t- at my fingertips, I still struggled to get through it. Like really? I still struggled to be like, oh gosh, like they still haven't answered this bloody question. Like I'm still having to watch. And I was thinking, gosh, it, this is a struggle for me to keep watching when I actually don't even have to wait for the episode. This is back in the yeah. days, by the way, folks, before Netflix, we actually had to wait a week oh, yeah. for each new episode to come out. It's uh, they see what they would do is they would screen these shows. On this magic box, where <laughs> the the visual stories would come out at us, and we would gather together around a flickering light. And you'd have to be there in time. Mm, mm. You couldn't just unless, watch unless it you had you one of the marvelled VCRs. <laughs> I heard tell of once, but uh, <laughs> well, this was in DVD time. Although well, I, for I, some of us, I will no, oh off. no, come on! I totally remember VCRs. I grew, I was a kid in the eighties and nineties. <laughs> I remember VCRs. Anyway, um, I felt like I struggled my way through to see. Season six. When it ended, I, do, I distinctly remember being filled with a deep sense of just frustration, like oh, anger really? right. and frustration. Is Not... this specifically to do with the final episode? Or no, the no, whole no, 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 no. Because specifically because there were so many questions and so many plot points that they never followed through on, they never answered, yeah. Yeah. and that was what really. Not... For example, and this is something that maybe doesn't bother anybody else because I haven't seen anybody else complain about this. But just as an example, one of the things was okay. So they set Juliet up as this really cold, badass killer. I like Juliet, by the way. Juliet. Yeah, I, I have very mixed feelings about Juliet. I hated her very 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 deeply for the first couple of seasons and i kind of got used to her and i think that's fair enough yeah i think she's meant to be a bit of a divisive i can understand why they ended up putting putting her with sawyer in the end so kate could be free to end up with jack and i get that that's how i actually kind of liked sawyer and kate and then they blow her up so and then they blow her up yeah i mean at least she died in the end so that was (laughs) (laughs) i didn't just die vaporized by a no but she died heroically so she died you know trying to help with the mission and whatever so that's about as definitive narratively as you can get wiping somebody from the face of the earth underneath a nuclear bomb fair that's fair but what, what i was frustrated about was that you know when you go to her flashbacks she's very you know she's very naive and Mm. kind of very timid and meek you know you show they show her you know in this relationship with her ex-husband where she's obviously scared around him and she doesn't actually have you know she she hasn't really grown a sense of confidence and sense of character that you see when she's actually on the island so i was waiting to say like okay what what was it that happened like what was it that you know really shifted her character because i was really intrigued by that because i thought they were making such a big deal about showing how vastly different she was before coming to the island to when she was on the island and And they never really and like to the point where like in the when you see her flashbacks this is not a woman who could probably even have known how to use a gun let alone actually killed somebody but by the time she's in lost and i remember sawyer makes a comment on this in season three that he you know the look in her eyes there will be no hesitation she is a killer she's someone who's you know who could just do something like that in cold blood if needed be and i got very frustrated because i was constantly waiting for the explanation of, right. of, of her of her character development and it just never came you were just forced to just accept okay she's just like this now and maybe it was the stress of being on the island or the frustration she had at ben or the fact that she was trying to say well this pregnant woman kept dying that like hardened her but that was just one and that's a very minor example but it's one that really bothered me of of things that were never really things that we were promised that were never followed through on i feel like lost as much as i love it and i really do was littered was a show that was basically characterized by being littered with broken promises 
Yeah. Well, can I say, in, in the case of the Juliet backstory, uh, I, I think you have good reason to, to feel that kind of emptiness there because that those those flashbacks and later the flash forwards and then the flash sideways, <laughs> they're, they're very patience testing for any audience, even back before they started becoming mm. so convoluted, like jumping forward in time and, and going to an yeah, alternate. That's very kind of... true. I think this is why I got so frustrated in season five. I'm like, gosh, they still want me to hold on yeah. with all of this stuff that they're forcing upon me. But but I think the one sort of saving grace of them, and I'm not really a defender of them, but just speaking thematically for, for why I think there can be an excuse made for them is that the show is ultimately about survivors and and about people who have been through trauma and the way in which trauma changes them and sometimes it forces them to devote themselves to unraveling a mystery or to become obsessed with a cause or to believe themselves to be sacred or blah you know all of these things are about these are broken people who've been through bad experiences and now let's look at the way that these experiences have shaped their behavior in the present tense uh, and so the part of the, the flashbacks were always a way of doing that. You know, you would see this guy Locke is a total weirdo. Like, what's his deal? Oh, it's because he was handicapped for a, a good while and suffered from being persecuted and, and abused by people. And so it... And lost and like left behind by people. Exactly. And and uh, and all of the characters are like that, you know, Shepard with his relationship with his father or, or uh, Tom Sawyer and his whole relationship with his his father, isn't it? He has a whole weird relationship with abandoned father issues. Um, are you talking about the guy who is Locke's father, who is the one that Sawyer's trying to track down? Yeah, the con man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thing. That's, that's yeah. Locke's dad. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> he, no, Tom Sawyer was one of his pseudonyms. His name was Anthony Carpenter? Right. I think. Okay. Can't I knew remember. I knew it was a pseudonym, but uh, yeah. But yeah, just all these characters who, who've had these backstories, so it shapes them and defines them. Whereas, as you said, they introduce Juliet with a very disparate personality in the in the flashbacks. You've been trained by the show to accept that. Okay, they're setting this up to show that how she developed into this other person. Because mm, they you don't get of, that payoff. They, you do get is... the yeah, and you do get the payoff with a lot of the other characters, exactly. which is why I think maybe that bothered me so much. I mean, having said that though, that's hardly one of the the, the major issues with the show. That's just one of I think it's many indicative examples. though. Yes. It, it sets up yeah. an expectation. The show the show narratively uh, positions you as a viewer to expect something, and frequently, not always, but frequently, they would disappoint in that way and i would actually say that the second season where they introduce all those other characters you know the, the back half of the oh, play, the other the people that the tailies they're, they're so important look at these people we're showing you their stories and then they just pick them <laughs> off one but just kill them like except so for like the, like the last three that yeah. end up being part of the it just seems like a total again the these ways in which the show just become a waste of time and sort of spreading your attention of, around yeah look know. i get why you say that and i think for me the reason i like season two I'm not sure if I definitely like it better than season one, but I think the reason I liked season two is because I felt they still had... Yes, admittedly, they did have this whole other... And I'm not a huge fan of the whole tail section part of the, the show, but they did actually at least feel as if they were still had the, the same plot in mind. They were still mm. heading towards the same direction. There was an direction. audacity to it as well that I really admire, that they just went, no, no, look, Oh, yeah, yeah. This. Like, oh, you want to know what happens next? Well, we're going to just give you a yeah. whole episode where you don't find out anything about these other characters in this big crisis. And, and that was another thing, actually... So perhaps it was the fact that season one and season two set up a lot of things 
that never ever got explained like i felt like there was never a sufficient answer like set of answers about the others for example okay so in season two when you're with the tail section of the plane you know that was like oh you know you don't even hear them coming they don't make any sound they're like they come in the flash of the night oh, yeah. and they kind of set them up almost as if these they're kind of like some sort of otherworldly beings and then you see the people that they've kidnapped now becoming like yeah. brainwashed now they're part of them and they never really explain any of it no. like you know why are they so good at sneaking through the jungle without <laughs> making any noise why is like cindy the the, the air hostess who was part of the survivors now one of them does she have no memory i mean i know there's a scene where you see one of the characters being brainwashed but we're supposed to expect everyone to just forget everything there was just so many things that they set up that they never really they never really set out but just if i can just finish my point about season two even though they did set up a lot of those things which i was expecting them to answer but they never did uh i felt like they season two kind of relaxed a little bit and got in more into the characters so they actually, yeah. where they, there was definitely a lot more cheeky, kind of funny um, moments in season two. I thought they yeah. kind of had a lot of fun with exploring relationships between the characters. And, and I thought that was really, I, I enjoyed that because I still felt the, the show was going somewhere. But, were, but now that we knew these characters, we were having a bit more fun with them. And yes. then I, I'm going to make a bold claim here. But I thought that the last season, like the season finale of season two of Lost was one of, if not the best season finales of any show I've ever seen. Mm. It was just it's so quite well is not, done. Is that where Charlie died? From the oh, no, no, no. That was like, season, that was like season three or four. Oh, okay. So, no, no. This is one where basically, you know, Locke kind of loses his faith in the hatch and decides he's going to let the thing be destroyed and then Desmond realises oh, actually, no, yes. this is actually all legit. That other station that you saw that was spying on us, it was actually the experiment was on them. And then uh, at the last moment, Locke says, I realize, he realises, you know, says I was wrong and then there's this explosion and, and meanwhile the others have been captured by the other, like the Jack, Kate, Sawyer and Hilly right. have all been captured. It was just... It just, oh, I just was so impressed and so excited. By the time it ended, I was like, oh my gosh, that was just amazing. I really felt like I was taken on for a ride and I was so geared up for season three. And then what I really hated about season three was that, I mean, not only did they lose the plot, literally and figuratively, um, halfway through that season, they also, I felt like they deliberately subverted your expectations of all of the character, all the main characters just purely for the sake of doing so. For example, you know, you thought, oh, Sun was this really honest, honourable woman. You actually find, oh, she was a liar and she cheated on her husband and all these things that you really didn't want to know about her character. They, they just do a 180 on her for the sake of doing it. Same with Sawyer. You think, you know, he's kind of like a cheeky scoundrel who doesn't really care anyone about anyone. You actually find he actually does care and he's actually like a, maybe a crusty exterior but heart of gold. So, and that was fine, I suppose, but I don't like when shows try to change your feelings about a character not because of the plot or because there's a reason yeah. to do so, just purely for the sake of doing so. Well, also, I do, I do think season three from memory was where they'd run out of backstory to tell. So it was they were they were spinning their wheels, mm. and it was just well, we have we have to reveal something new about what else them can to we justify, shock them about? Yeah, these characters. Let, let's tell them where Jack's tattoos came from. Yeah, it's just like oh, wasn't waste that the greatest episode? Oh my god! But you uh, and and I, I promise for for all my sarcasm, uh, I am going to offer a defense of Lost because I do adore it. But uh, I know we keep trashing, but it's like, but I actually really do I, love I, it. I love still. it. And, and spoiler. <laughs> It's to do with what you were just describing about season two, that, you know, living with the characters. I do actually mm. think that, that that is ultimately what you're meant to take away from the show. But uh, before we continue with that, though, I just wanted to play a quick game because in preparation for this discussion today, I went back and I watched the first two episodes of Lost and refamiliarized with myself with the first with two a, episodes. Yeah, so the pilot of season episode, one. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. And refamiliarized myself with a few I'm of the episodes around the place. Uh, so I want to play, it's a game called. Did it matter? Oh, okay. Um, this sounds like a fun game. So I've written down a list of stuff that I, I saw, uh, that I recalled, or that was uh, alluded to within the pilot. And I want to ask you, does any of this stuff ultimately matter? Do we get an answer like I know for it? I what the answers it? are going to be. <laughs> 
Firstly, do we get an answer for it? Secondly, is that answer in any way satisfying? So, do you just want a yes or no answer, or do you want me to actually You can spin out how, however right. you want. Uh, okay, so firstly, probably the most iconic, the polar bear in the jungle. No, it didn't matter. Okay, but we do find the answer. There, you do get, polar okay, bear cage it did, the... you get an answer, but it really, it's a total red herring. Yeah. Or oh, white herring is the case may be. That was a terrible joke. <laughs> Feel free to cut that out. And No, that stays in. Uh, <laughs> and is, uh, again, is, is possibly a, a warning sign of where some of these other mysteries are going to go. So what made the, the, uh, the plane crash? Oh, uh, I believe the answer to get to that is in the episode I mentioned, season two of season finale of season two where Desmond didn't push the button and the electromagnetism 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 sorry short answer electromagnetism excellent so it sort of matters electromagnetism is uh, pretty important I'd say that's the one thing that does matter in okay, this show excellent. electromagnetism so they justified that excellent why can people be healed on the island because of course we, we discover that uh, because it's one special of you never actually find an answer to that they just I think they kind of write that off with a lame. It's special. There's a light that's the that's the heart of the island, and it does magical things. No, I don't think you ever actually find out. Excellent. And they mixed in with that become uh, is that Egyptian fertility god that pops up a few times. I don't even the, remember that. Uh, the big, it's a big. Uh, oh statue yeah, with the four I remember. Toes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And four the... toes. It's important. <laughs> no. It's not... And with the foot that's left behind. Uh, oh yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. So the French woman on the radio. Did she matter? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, it's a hard one. I guess ultimately she didn't really matter at all. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, they did use her story later on in the show to tie the new narrative that they were, yep. that they were developing. So I guess she kind of... kidnapping other babies. And yeah, I guess she kind of mattered in that sense. But I mean, even her... I mean, they were setting that whole thing up. I, I assumed at the time for her to eventually be reunited with her daughter, Alex, who was kidnapped by Ben, um, the leader of the others. And, who she um, mysteriously didn't recognise for convenient plot reasons, but whatever, yes. Yeah, and also who she didn't even see for like the 14 years of her life or how old she was, even though... The island's not that big. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, and even though she was clearly very well versed with the ways of the jungle setting up traps and everything. So, look, ultimately, I don't know if she... I think she matted in a mildly plot-pointed way. Uh, the gigantic creature tearing down the trees. Smoky. Yeah. Well, is that the smoke monster? This is my question. Uh, sure. I thought that was a smoke monster. You hear the sounds of the smoke monster, but it's not exactly... Clear. And I don't remember the smoke monster later on having the power to tear down trees. That's actually quite true. I suspect that, as far as the writers are concerned, yes, it was the same monster, but obviously not developed in the first few episodes of Lost and only developed later in a way that didn't quite fit neatly with the narrative that they had already presented. Agreed. Uh, so, yeah, I guess they did answer that. Yeah. I would say they did. Answer, yeah. That how the well episode, they answered it? it is another question entirely. Yes. I think they answered it. I don't think they answered it particularly well. <laughs> uh, the Dharma Initiative? No. Okay. They Okay, yes. They did address the Dharma Initiative and they explained what happened, but I still felt myself a bit unsatisfied about the... I don't I even understand why I was so unsatisfied, actually. I think it was well, just still... like... It seemed a little bit too convenient to all just be... No, actually, sorry. This is my beef. They did answer it, but... I found it extremely hard to believe. It was a huge suspension of disbelief to imagine that all of these people who were just kind of like regular people would cause the mass murder of normal mums and dads and children. Like, how did... Do you mean Ben and... Was it just Ben? Wasn't he... Didn't he have accomplices? Because didn't the new people would become like the others? Yeah, Yeah, I just... I don't know if I found that very 
believable. Yeah, there's a lot of hand wavy stuff in there where he's just evil because evil. And uh, exactly. I found Ben as a character extremely annoying for that reason. He seemed to. I, I think it's just that that actor was so he was so charismatic in doing something so enigmatic with that character that they could just give him any nonsense to do and he could... Yeah, I, I, I thought he did a really good job initially when he was pretending to be Henry Gale, when he was pretending to be just like a random yeah, yeah. stranded person. And I thought, you know, and then when he reveals reveals who he actually he is. He went I, a full Hans Gruber and just, I'm just a normal guy. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I think it went beyond Hans Gruber actually. But yes, Dharma. I suppose they did, but I wasn't particularly, I wasn't particularly swayed by their argument. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, and th- there's a number of stuff that I'm going to skip over. Character stuff like Sawyer's letter and Kate's crimes and what makes Locke such a weirdo, etc., etc. But the big one, Psychic Walt. Oh, yeah. What the heck? Yeah. They totally did not answer that. Again, it was one of those sort of fallback to, oh, he's just special because he's special. Yeah. Like the island heals people because it's a special island. It's just, it was these really cop-out answers that, this is, this is my problem with Lost. They presented a lot of really good ideas, but unlike uh, other writers, shall we say, they didn't already have answers that were eventually going to present. So they just put stuff out there, and I think, I imagine, I'm just guessing here, that they they sort of put the things out there and thought, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll answer that later on. Like, yeah. We'll get to that later on. Yeah. And that was the huge, huge mistake. That was, I think, that, that was this, this was the sword upon which um, Lost fell, ultimately, because they set all these things up. Didn't actually have the answers at the time, and then when they got to the point where they'd introduced so much stuff, I think they put themselves in this really awkward position where they were like, crap, we actually didn't answer all the stuff. We have to kind of quickly yeah. find an answer to it all. They didn't have the end game in sight when they were laying the the foundations. And I think this was the big, big, bad problem with Lost. Yeah. Well, can I say I completely agree with that. And I think the reason I ended on that is because Walt, to me, seems symbolic of that problem. Is it's, yeah. a, it's a show that had all these fantastic ideas and all of these promises that they set up that I don't think they really had the answers to. That's not my beef. Because that's what a television show is. You sort of... You... Well, I think you can have some idea of where it's going to go. I think a, I think a can, truly but... well-written piece of anything, whether it's a yeah. TV series or a, a novel or whatever, actually knows knows where the answer... I mean, I heard J.K. Rowling say this once and I really liked it. She said, you know, she said when she reads a book, she always really enjoys having the confidence of feeling that the writer knows exactly where they're going yeah. with this. She may not know as the reader, but she has the confidence of knowing that the writer does. And that's, I think we were initially made to feel as if that was the case with Lost, but it turned yeah. out that it wasn't the case. And I think this is why a lot of fans felt betrayed. Well, I think that's true, but I, I just mean uh, in a practical sense, television, because it operates telling a narrative over multiple years, it has to have a little bit of that plasticity. It has to be able to, no, to, that's to deal that's with fair. characters leaving. Or uh, Again, it's not a great example, but um, I remember his name escapes me, but the guy who wrote Babylon 5. It's a sci-fi show, but he, it was... I've heard of Babylon 5. Almost entirely written by one guy, and oh, he planned wow. the whole thing out. But he had to make plans for what would happen if a character left, or you know what would happen if a certain storyline couldn't be played out in a way. Yeah, so and I, it had to have that kind of I probably shouldn't point out. out. I'm not trying to say that they should have had everything rigidly, rigidly set out. And I understand you're, what you... I mean, the point you're trying to make, yeah. basically, is that even if they did have that elasticity, they should have still come up with some decent answers. Absolutely. They didn't even do a good job at the, at, at the answers. Even yeah. When they didn't have them initially, but yeah, I but, think, uh, but I think I it think should that's... have been a bit of equal, a bit of both, perhaps. That they should have some of the bigger ones. They probably should have had, if not a, a, a clear answer, at least an idea of where they were going to go with it. Definitely, rather than just putting stuff out there and hoping that the chips would fall with them. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, I totally agree. Again, it. just just sort of defending what my the point I'm making because <laughs> I do totally agree with you. It's just what what I love about television is that 
it has the capacity, you know, if a, if a character turns up who's interesting or who, who suggests a, a, a narrative. Well, exactly. You know, Desmond wasn't in the original plan. No, and he was he turned one up. of the best things that happened to that show. Exactly. And so, and that's what I love about TV is it has the capacity to kind of follow where the narrative is organically leading. The problem, I think, with Lost is that they allowed themselves this opportunity to follow wherever the narrative might go, but they hadn't thought through just basic practical concerns like when you yes, put a kid I totally agree you put a kid actor who's fine like amazingly he's actually a good kid actor usually my beef is that they're <laughs> terrible he's a good kid actor but they're writing a show that if it's popular is going to last for a few years this kid's about to hit puberty they're not going to be able to do flashback stories with yeah. him they can't even explain how he's growing so quickly no no fertility island hand wavy <laughs> nonsense is going to explain how a kid like grows five years, deepens his voice, goes through the entirety of oh, puberty. Yeah, when he like in a span of a couple of months, it's like yeah. I kind of just gloss over that. Whereas you, as the watch viewer, are going, "Whoa, Walt yeah. has really grown up. <laughs> he is a child no more." <laughs> well, it's, it's like in a bad soap opera where you know a baby will kind of disappear from the narrative and turn up a couple of years later, and they're twenty-two years old. You know, it's like it, it had that kind of equality, and just the fact that that fundamentally. But uh, they set up his character as a special one to look out for. Oh, and again, stuff was going on, and you. Yes, they never explained what the deal was with Walt. Yeah. Not Unless ever. they went, he's he's a an X Man whose mutant power is aging. Then I think that the only real, I mean, look, it has been a few years since I watched the whole show, but from memory, I think it was just like a he was for whatever reason. It was already a special boy because we see this, you know, when he accidentally well he he causes the death of that bird when he's yep. at home, and this is why his mother's husband doesn't want to adopt him he wants michael to take him whatever and he has glimpses of the future he tells Locke, don't you yeah obviously passion. and maybe because of he was already special the island was like specially attuned to him and gave him more powers like to appear where he wasn't and stuff like that but that was just such a lame answer it wasn't even well, really that's not even he, an answer. he wasn't yeah, even an just, answer here's a bunch of weird stuff so that when he disappears you'll wonder for literally years what was that all about and and it, i mean to their because they make credit? a big deal about it as well like oh, you know no, yeah i mean shannon that's the reason shannon dies because she's chasing after Walt, who actually is not there, and then she gets shot. I mean, so they, they constantly bring him in, you know, with covered yeah. in water, speaking backwards, but they never explain any of it. No. Well, yeah, exactly. And and it seems like, to me, just represent, like he's symbolic of that kind of fundamental disconnect that the writers had between this really exciting adventure that they were taking narratively and just the basic practicalities of the promise that they were making to the audience that they I'm, hadn't really thought through. I'm just kind of thinking maybe it was even a case like where the writers were divided amongst themselves. Like maybe they're like, oh no, this will be a really, really good idea. And they was like, no, 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 we need to like figure out where this is going to go. It's like, no, 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 we'll figure it out later. I can just imagine that. Because I mean, it just seem, it does seem very odd unless they were really all on the same page of just like, let's just keep putting interesting stuff out there and we'll see how yeah. it goes well i think it is a bit of that like a part of the narrative of this show part of what i really again i'll get to my defense of it but part of what i like about it is that there is a little bit of that bonkers just chuck it at the wall see if it works like you know mm. I, I don't know let's have a psychic in here now who cares yeah, like let's... here's a bunch of weird numbers like like it's yeah they and then they had to like oh crap we actually have to explain all of this now exactly and uh so i think there was a lot of fun that they were having and just throwing all of this sci-fi supernatural weirdness into the mix and and just enjoying the fact that the audience was going with it but then you have to be able to 
follow it up. And in well, some cases, we should talk about since we keep like hovering around. Maybe we should talk about how they actually did answer all these things in season six. And did oh uh, oh you want to get yeah. into that later? No, well, I mean, I, th- I think. To be fair to the show, they start to answer things along the way. The frustrating point is that whenever they answer something, they open up two other questions. Yes, that, that, come that from is it. So, so true of Lost. Yeah. I we, mean, and so by the time they actually, and often they'll take so long to even answer it, that by the time they answer it, you don't even oh, care. Yeah. You just don't care anymore. And they don't even care. They're just kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, it's a polar like, bear. Cave. Yeah, exactly. Like, the polar bear. I was just about yeah. the exact same example. And and yeah, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Well, you were you were steering towards the end of the series, which is fair enough. So let's get to it. Let's we'll, just talk we'll... about. Could we just talk about Jacob for a few minutes? Oh yes, <laughs> yes, Jacob. <laughs> what was the deal with Jacob? Yeah, Jacob and his. Oh, it was yeah. his brother who was the evil guy. Okay, so that's a perfect example of what I think is ultimately the failure of the writers. Because again, what I love about the show, and I do mean love, is that it was so crazy like it was it was so willing to take what in the beginning was a show that was just about a bunch of survivors like castaway a tv series like castaway yes and and which was the original premise of the show actually interesting well it's the the behind the scenes stuff is fascinating what the abc thought they were buying and what they ended up with (laughs) is so hilariously different but i i love that they they started with this relatively straightforward premise and well acted rich characters with great dialogue like it is really strong writing at that level having these interactions with one another and and just trying to survive but then week by week they just keep upping the ante like they steer into the skid of the the wackiness uh so that yeah by the end by by the time you get to the sixth series time travel has been introduced oh and that's uh, something i want to talk about later electromagnetism on, yeah. has uh, reared its head there's kidnappings and philosophical treatise about control and freedom there's psychics and ghosts and but also being able to like control the, the you know you said telekinesis and, yeah all that sort of stuff oh, man yeah and again it's just they don't stop every new every episode is some new bit of like twilight zone weirdness that they just cram in and again I love that. I love that they just go nuts with it. The problem is that after five years of building it up, you get to the sixth series where they just whittle it all down in the most unsatisfying way until you're left with Jacob and the man in black. So it's just uh, yin and yang bashing against each other without ever making any sense what no, their actual and it's like, it, deal is. It was a really strong feeling of them shoehorning the, the show, like just stuffing it yeah, into yeah. this. Okay, we're actually going to like just make this about good and evil, black yes. and white, oh, so light and dark and it was but also not only was that disappointingly simplistic but it totally didn't go along with the way that lost had set us up to expect things to be answered so a lot of the a lot of the way lost um would do things is they would present something and then you actually find out oh actually it's a little bit smoke and mirrors like actually it was a really simple answer to something you thought was kind of scary and magical and whatever like you know like the french lady whatever uh yeah russo you know you think oh like this you know is this some long lost person and you and and she is and and um and but then you find oh she actually has a simple story she was just marooned on the island or she talks about this place called the black rock oh it's actually just a ship that just happened to be um that happened to crash in, in the island and i mean so they they do a lot of that and no and that sounds like it could have been disappointing but i think it was just that was just the sort of the way that they would set things up so that you would yeah. get to the answer and it might actually be like it, the mystery was kind of revealed to be actually not that mysterious at all and, and there are a few references even in the show like the, the titles of the show to things like the wizard of oz 
that's obviously a big pointer, you know, that you think it's this big magical thing. Actually, really, there's a, there's a simple, often a simple explanation. But uh, not always a simple explanation, obviously, because the smoke monster couldn't have a simple explanation. Yeah. But then they... And the rules that the smoke monster... Sorry, just to throw in the mix there, one of the big things that frustrates me towards the end is the rules... What rules? Like, we never find out what those rules are. Yeah, exactly. Monster, but sorry. No, that's fine. And we never find out why the smoke monster can't get past that that sound wall. Yeah. Any wall, this sort of stuff. But my point is, when they decide they're going to answer everything, rather than giving us an interesting answer that we might not have expected, but kind of made sense, they just decide to make, oh, no, it actually is mysterious and magical. And there yeah. are these two magical brothers who, for some reason, have unlimited life and are immortal. But and... doesn't the mother that's taking care of them quote-unquote mother doesn't she actually say at one point if you ask me more questions you'll just be annoyed by like yeah. further questions so, so, i'm obviously conveniently ambiguous there. answer but it was it's it like the writer's was... telling us just don't ask us seriously we don't have answers i really feel like the actor should have just turned toward the camera and <laughs> winked like it's just <laughs> come on guys we're not going to explain anything no it's here. so true and i think at that moment i realized oh, yeah. this whole journey you yeah. strung me along for six years or more actually because i you know i waited to watch the whole show you're not even gonna answer anything i really feel like that, that was the, the episode answer. where even diehard fans just went come on because like, you just felt like it was just felt like one broken promise mm. it was it was you know you've strung us along promising an answer and now you just told us oh, actually you're not gonna get it after all because we just don't have any we just, we, we, we got nothing <laughs> And then uh, the Jacob and the Black Smoke guy have been battling it out for generations only to kill off major characters in, in very hand-wavy ways and to end the series with the whole thing building up to Jack, our hero, pushing a magic cork back into a grotto. Like, that's it. That's the whole... That, yeah. Like, what the hell was that? Like... And again, I, I know. And also, I'm like when, they, when but... he got rid of the light, it looked like there was a volcano that was going to come out. But that, like you know, well, yeah. orange and looked like it was steaming and so I'm like, oh, it's going to be a volcanic eruption. I'm like, oh no, it's just going to stay orange and nothing. Yeah. And then just like a few earthquakes. And we we get all this like uh, ominous evil being loosed upon the world if something happens. Yeah, to like the, the island. island's the heart of the world or something like that. But just like the rules with the black smoke monster, none of that's explained. Like, why? What and what? What was? What's the evil? The black monster will get out. So what? He seems like he just kind of wants to go on a vacation. Yeah, he's only wreaking havoc because he's angry that he has to stay here. Yeah. I, I was stuck on that island for six years and I'm a little bit annoyed about it. Like, <laughs> if I was there for centuries. Millennia, uh, even. However. Disappointing. Having said all of that, what I admire about the show is that, and please be aware that I'm passing my words very, very delicately here because I do agree with the cheap way that the writers tried to justify the end of, of the show. So after the mean? fact, when when people would kind of yell at them, like, what was that? What an unsatisfying end. They would say, well, ultimately it was about the characters. It wasn't about the mystery. And on a certain level, mm. I totally agree with that. Because I do, I do think that ultimately the show is about human beings experiencing the inexplicable and the way in which they try and rationalise it and try and grapple with it. That's true, and I will agree with that. But I don't think that you can say it was about the characters, it wasn't about the mystery. I mean, Lost was all about the mystery. See, that's, I would say that's it the was, part that, yeah. I would say it was as much about the mystery as it was about the characters. Yeah, I, think, I think that's a cop-out. I think, no, I do, I do agree. Because I think, I think where it falls down is that the, the writers were themselves making promises. They were saying, and, and even outside of the text, 
in interviews, they were saying, oh, the answers are coming. Oh, yeah, we know where this is going. Yeah, oh, I remember hearing we, that. We sat down and we wrote I a, a story well. Bible. We know where we're going. Which it was they, such a they lie. Were. Like, yeah. why would they lie about that? Because well, <laughs> that just made it worse for them in the end anyway. Yeah, well, I think I think it was, is that uh, their, their metatextual justification would be that you as the viewer went on the journey that the characters did. But that's... Not really true, because in order for their plines to function, those characters had to ultimately just go, I don't care about the answers. There would literally be moments where a character would say, I can tell you what you need to know. And they go, we don't have time. And they'd run off. Yeah. You know, so it became cheap papering over the, the holes in their script towards the end, which became very, very frustrating. Again, like the, the mother just saying, don't ask questions because it won't. Yeah, you'll just have more questions to ask. So I have this very complicated relationship with the show where I, I really love what it's ultimately saying about perception and about human beings trying to rationalize an irrational world and and all this kind of metaphysical nonsense that they have to confront and just kind of deal with. I love all of that. But I do hate that there is that bait and switch with the the promises of revelation in the Yeah, in and I I love character drama. I love character driven drama. In fact, I was much more compelled by following the being interested in the characters Indeed. and the characters' lives and their relationships with each other than I was by the mysteries. To me, the mysteries, I understand other people found that you know, the most interesting part of the show, but for me, it was all about the characters. Yeah. I was, you know, borderline obsessed with, you know, oh, you know, the relationship between Sawyer and Kate and Kate and Jack, and uh, but not even not oh, just. Oh, you mean the love triangle stuff or just. That, but also just, just their interactions with each other and how, like, I, I loved that by the end. Jack and Sawyer, even though they're they're antagonistic towards each other, they've kind of created a bit of a bit of a bro- not bromance, but they're certainly a, like they're, they're yeah, like they're a, a like respect, a, a, not even just a respect, where they actually kind of become almost friends. Yeah, you know, like unwilling friends, but they have just by virtue of the circumstances and what they've been through together. And I love yes. how that actually did happen very organically. Yes, yes. And I thought they did ve- that very very well. And a lot of like not all the characterization was great. I thought they totally went off the rails with when they tried to make Claire just some wild oh, woman. Yeah. Which was just so out of sync with her character and so utterly unbelievable. It wasn't even, it was just a joke. And I just found that so hard, like that she would A, abandon her child and, or not, I mean, I know that Kate took her, you know, took Aaron away, but I mean, the fact that she didn't even want to leave the island, it's like, oh, he could never love me because I've become this wild woman. It's like, you're just, yeah. you were like the epitome of like, like the girl next door. This is not the sort yeah. of person <laughs> who would go out into the wild and become like a wild bush woman. It was just so ridiculous. But, uh, but generally speaking, I thought they did the characterization extremely well. And yeah. like I've said before, I really love Desmond's character. I think that the, I think the show was always better when Desmond was in it, actually. I think that's probably why they kept bringing him back, even if he didn't necessarily have to be there, just because they recognized that as well he's just a very likable character but also um and like i didn't love all of the characters but i love what they but i love that that became the real and that's why i think i like season two because season two really became about characterization yes and you just really fell in love with them and and uh i just i you know i love how they played around with that and had a lot of fun with it but ultimately that can't be the only thing that you have going for a show and i think that while the characterization was really great the plot ended up becoming so detrimental the lack of there are the plot holes that i think that it actually ended up damaging even what they'd built with the great characters well the idea of the the characters being at the heart of the show is a brilliant conceit but it also did become the crutch and i and i think again that's why people became so frustrated you just expressed in that final... what i tried to say fumblingly oh no no well but, in about one sentence <laughs> but i i mean very very specifically in that final season the the much maligned 
flash sideways that uh, they, I they didn't set up mind this idea. Them, by the way, I hated it, hated it, it so was, much. I was like, whatever. By that point, I think I was just like, whatever. Last, I'm not even surprised what you're gonna throw at me anymore. The my issue was while you're watching it, you're like, okay, so this is an alternate reality. Which okay, fair enough. Like for a couple of episodes, that's interesting. That okay, we're, how are they going to snap reality back to its original form? But eventually, it just, like all of the flashback conceits of the show, it just went too long. Well, after a whole Mm. season of living out these alternate lives that you then discover in the end, spoiler alert, aren't (laughs) real lives anyway. This is supposedly after all of the characters have died, they're living in a kind of purgatory. Only this final season, not the whole show, just the final season. is Just the flash sideways. Yeah, that's just the purgatory part. So you discover that ultimately none of that stuff happened. You've just, you've spent... What was it, like 12, 20 episodes? I can't remember how long the final season is, but it's a a while. You've spent a number of episodes watching completely arbitrary stories play out that wasted time that they could have spent actually living with the characters, not in their own fantasies. And and the thing is, like much of the rest of the show, you're sitting there going, oh, okay, what's this going to mean? And you're following it very interestedly and just trying to figure out, oh, how is this all going to end? What does it all mean? And you actually, why is Sawyer now a cop? Yeah. You know, like why, you know, all this sort of stuff. And, uh, and then in the end, it's like, oh, that was actually, it could have been anything. It was completely arbitrary. Yeah, it's just a misdirect. And, and the, the justification I think that the, the writers would use is, well, it's about the characters, man. It's what they wanted and it's what they were living through. You know, that was their aspirations and your final opportunity to see them. But if it's about the characters, then show the characters interacting, not having these little fantasies by themselves yeah, just I so mean, that you can misdirect the audience. The Like the final sort of explanation of that, that this was a place that they created to all find each other because the time they all spent together was the most important time of their lives and they wanted to find each other again because obviously they had all yeah. died at various times and weren't able to sort of have that closure. I actually did find that quite touching. I loved it, actually. And, uh, Controversially, I know people don't like the last episode, but... I love that conceit for that final episode, not for the whole season. Well, yeah, that's my point. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, yes, you're absolutely right. Stretching that over a whole season was just, was it was it was such a big red herring drawn out so much. It just it was, it was, it was little, nothing like short of insulting really to the yeah. viewer. But I just watched the last episode last night, actually, just in preparation for this. And I was, it's funny because I haven't even watched the show for years. And I just got so emotional yeah. watching it. Like I, you know, I was crying and, um, and laughing and, and it really did affect me emotionally. But then I was just watching the last episode. I hadn't sat through 12 yeah. odd episodes of Flash Sideways. And obviously <laughs> when you're first watching it, you don't know where they're going with it. I mean, you can no. sort of tolerate it maybe a little bit in hindsight. But what's frustrating is the first time you're watching that, if you don't know what's happening, you're investing in that emotionally too. Yes. And so, of course, people are going to get frustrated when they realize, oh, I've just wasted all this time kind of like caring about this whole side story, which could literally have been anything and had yeah. no bearing on the actual plot. And you spending a week dissecting that episode and then waiting for the next one. Exactly, then, yes. And and I do think, uh, and ultimately that's why I think it's a show that sits on the cusp of two ways of disseminating television. It was one of the last big network television water cooler shows. You know, people would watch it and then they'd go into work and they'd talk about, oh, did you see Lost last night? That was crazy. But... Over the first couple of years uh, that it was on, it moved into the internet and started being pulled apart in a whole new way. Oh, and I was totally 100% part of that. Yeah. Like, oh, I got so into that. Like, people, like, taking screenshots and, oh, you see the Dharma Initiative in the background? Yeah. Oh, what's the Tempest? And, like, all this I even, stuff. I even remember when they had it here, they even had, like, this. they had, like, some guy, some marketing guy actually do, like, a whole promotional campaign around it. And he would identify, like, oh, you know, like... <laughs> 
<laughs> did you notice this little thing? And sometimes it would be something super lame, like, oh, there was a Dharma label on the box. But other times it would actually be kind of like a cool, like, little side thing that I hadn't noticed and I can't remember any off the top of my head. Huh. And then that actually culminated in um, hidden, like, these sort of Dharma symbols and things around Sydney, like, around around the city oh, of Sydney. Wow. And people had to go and, like, find them and take photos. And then, so you remember in, there was an episode in season two where Hurley is reading, like, a manuscript for a um, for a book that obviously hadn't been published yet that he'd found in the plane wreckage. And so they actually got some author to actually write a book that was meant to be this book, you know, with the same title. On this. Uh, apparently, it's like uh, Laura Palmer's diary and Twin Peaks. Or... Oh, I haven't watched Twin Peaks. I can't, I can't acknowledge and or deny Sillary, that reference. <laughs> sure, Sillary yes. Yes, Colin. Media tie-ins were, were great. <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint. No. But anyway, and, and then they actually, you could, you could get copies of this book if you had like the secret question and answer response at some special location. It was really, really cool. Like they really went to a lot of effort to sort of make it a very interactive experience. How for many fans. people were devoured by a smoke monster at the end of that? You know, I just got away with, with clothes on my back oh, I just remembered that actually I've forgotten I was really into the show like I was a proper fan I had no idea I mean, and, but again it's that kind of fever that the show was able to inspire in people and again I do I do think that that was uh, what bit the writers uh, towards the end is that they happily fed into that anticipation and that promise of, of revelation and all that enthusiasm so people picking this stuff apart week to week, living years, like, with this puzzle box that's slowly getting unpacked. Oh, um, that was another thing. Remember when Locke sees the puzzle on the back of the door? You know, when he's trapped under the door in the mm-hmm. hatch? And there's, like, someone has, like, written it in paint and, like, like the only glows oh, yes, in the thing. Yep, yeah, sorry. they never explained that either. Oh, well, this so, I mean, and there were so, so many, many things like that. I'm just remembering who, all of the things. Who's <laughs> shooting at them on the raft? Like, yeah, they're so... Did Henry actually press the button or did he not anyway? Walt! Um, so, <laughs> there are so many things. <laughs> uh, but, but again, it, 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 it did mark that movement in the viewership of a show from a, a far more conversational, passive dissemination of the program to basically autopsying it in real time mm. like and what i think is the benefit of watching lost now because it is a show that despite its frustrations i do think is really worth watching because i think if you go into the show knowing that you're not going to get those answers if you watch it knowing that yeah you'll you'll get some explanations and some things will tie together but that's not the ultimate point of the program you can blast through it. And I would say, even though there's not a lot of payoff in terms of answering the mysteries, there is a lot of emotional payoff. Exactly, yes. You get really get in, drawn into those characters and the relationships between yeah. them. And I, I think that was, and like I said before, that was the main reason I watched the show. And it's still so many, like even to this day, like a lot of the episodes really just, um, really kind of bring me to tears. Yeah. No, just it, because I'm, I really care about these characters and I really care about what happens to them. And I do think, uh, again, that is ultimately what it's about. I mean, it's a show that this is, lazy and obvious but it's a show that begins with an eye opening and ends with that same eye i mean predictably i knew from... i did like that though well I, no I but how obvious was it that that was going to be the final I image wasn't for like five years i was like okay yeah jack's gonna die but but it is oh, it, it i was with... not expecting jack to die i mean when it happened i was like okay fair enough that really? makes sense but no i wasn't expecting it oh, Hell, was... oh no definitely not had, like Sword of Democles hanging over his head the whole time. <laughs> but no, I opened... liberal arts reference, by the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Simpsons reference, actually. But, uh, <laughs> the eye opens... We are all educated in this room. And the eye closes, and it's about what exists in between the span of that observation. So it's not actually about 
facts and uh, objective truth. It's about subjectivity. It's about the and, individual interpreting the world around them. And, and that would be fine if they didn't promise so I much. I totally agree. But, but that's they what I mean. give is, us so much mystery to be answered. That's why I think it, it's perfect for audiences to approach now where it's detached from all of those fake uh, like those false expectations and and uh, fake assurances that it's going somewhere as long as you're aware of that going into it which again I, I encourage people to you know if you watch it it's fun it's it's beautifully made it's extremely well acted i think that again the dialogue and the character moments are really strong mm. it's it's from a moment in time where network television was actually able and willing to pump a ton of money into mm. making something look really good uh, and again had, it had it's, a lot of heart it's bonkers like <laughs> i can't get past it like i love that it's just it's nuts and it's willing to just lean into the craziest stuff that most people watching a show on the abc mm. network in in the u.s would not have been expected. No, there was a lot of suspension of disbelief. One might argue a little bit too much suspension of disbelief, but just quickly, I'm curious, who was your favourite character slash characters? Favourite character? Wow. I did like Saeed. Oh, I I love Saeed. Saeed is always right. Yeah. Always. But I I loved it, particularly at the time. I mean, this is like heavy sort of anti-Middle Eastern sentiment and they just stuck a character in there and went, look, he's... But they really played along with that. Yeah, no, they did. They like, totally and, drew it in. Uh, and, and they allowed him to be complex and multifaceted and he's very well acted. And so and have you heard saying... that actor in real life? Because he is like a total pommy accent. Oh, yes, yeah. So funny. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you there. <laughs> no, no, no. Most of the shows that, that I love where there's some sort of heavy accent that's going on, it usually ends up being someone from the UK. The Wire is the same. Like, oh, I haven't watched the majority of those characters are British or Irish. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, because um, it's in Baltimore, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a heavy Baltimore accent, and yet these people are like the majority of them are from the UK. Idris Elba, like perfect. I love, I yeah. love I Stringer love Bell from from The Wire, and his accent totally different. If he's in it, I definitely want to watch it then. Uh, also, I would say uh, because it's impossible to not say it. Hurley is. Oh, there's a reason. How that can Hurley, you not love Hurley? Yeah. How about you? Oh, well, like I said before, I mean, I love all of the characters. For a long time, Kate was my... I think Sawyer was always my favourite. I always loved Sawyer because... This is going to sound strange, but I I just think if I I was a guy, I would love to be someone like Sawyer. (laughs) Not necessarily the womanising, but just like the cheeky talk back sort of aspect, like the nicknames. I just... I love him. He made me laugh every single time he was on the screen. I just absolutely love Sawyer. I love Kate. Uh, and yeah, I really, really liked Desmond as well, but I think Soy was probably was my favourite. Yeah, there were a few of the characters that they introduced after Desmond that I could have done without, like the, oh, the twitchy the... physics guy. I know the, the freight people who and, the... and, oh. they, and I hate and like you know they tried to create a romance with him as if you actually cared. no one actually cared no about those cared. people. Like, I... Get out of the way, man! Yeah, Hurley's miles. behind you. <laughs> exactly. Uh. <laughs> Oh, and Boone and those big blue eyes, can I just say? The what? Boone and those big blue eyes. Oh, he didn't last long. Wow. No, I know. He made an impression. Doesn't he die in like the first season? Or yeah, he does. Pretty cool. Very pretty. All right, well, that's what we thought of this show and its legacy. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please do subscribe. We have new episodes every other week. And if you like what we're doing here, please do give us a review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help. If you'd like to comment on anything that you've heard, then please do drop us a line. Our email is conversations at campion.edu.au. I want to thank Anna for joining me today. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was a great opportunity to be able to just geek out for an hour. And we will be back next time with another Campion conversation. We hope that you can join us then.
This episode of Campion Conversation brought to you by Uncomfortable Advertising Segways. Have you been listening to a grisly real-world crime podcast about a serial cannibal only for the host to start offering you a box of ingredients to cook a hassle-free meal? Or how about when a news update on a mail bomber pauses to shill for a stamp system that you can print at home? Our inexplicable pairings of content and commercial will have you shifting uncomfortably in your seat as the host of a show cataloging the complexities and dangers of the legal system suddenly starts promoting the services of an easy online law firm. Uncomfortable advertising segues colliding in your theatre of the mind today. Campion Conversations is a production of Campion College of the Liberal Arts, Australia.